Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your two hosts, Kurt Flagel. Kim Ward, your other host, is coming on in just a moment as she is going to be leading an interview with Stephen Bell, who happens to be one of her former mentors, disciples, teachers, however you want to call it, from back in the day when she was in the school called Youth with a Mission, which is also abbreviated YWAM. This is an incredible interview, not only where Stephen Bell shares his story of how he came to faith, but also the journey in understanding how discipleship is all about discovering the heart of God, his identity, and through and seeing through his eyes our identity as well. And that has a lot to do with shame. So if you struggle with shame, if you struggle with identity issues, if you carry wounds in any of those areas, Stephen Bell's story is definitely a powerful one for you to listen to. So let's get right into it. Man, Stephen, it was really, really great to have you here. I was super, super excited to have a chance to talk to you again, see you, well, yeah. kind of face-to-face, Yeah. since it's been <laughs> 17 years. <laughs> yeah, long time. Just a few. Um, <clears throat> yep. Back in the Youth with a Mission Chico days. Yep. It, it's one of those weird things where you guys, everyone who was on staff was such a big part of, you know, my experience. Yeah. In the discipleship school through there, you know, but you guys had what three schools a year going through at that point. So yep. you were a part of my experience, but it was more of the, I was watching what you guys were doing mm. and seeing what kind of people you were. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's for me, this is exciting. Cause I'm like, I don't think I talked to you at all. <laughs> Probably <laughs> I was, I was pretty shy back then. I was that kid kind of hiding in the corner, trying to find a lone space on a base where people were everywhere yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i am super excited that you joined us today um yeah you know being friends on facebook and watching all your kids grow up but i am just really excited because i know you had a you just was it you wrote a book or you wrote a devotional yeah i I, um i just published uh making victorious disciples it's uh it's a workbook to just a, a a tool to help people to know how to make disciples. And I watched the little video you put out to promote it. And I was just like, man, this is so cool. We have to get Steven on the show. Glad you to know? be here. Yeah. So, I mean, I know discipleship is pretty big on your heart lately. It seems like, at least based on what you're posting on Facebook. Yep. Definitely. Like that's something God's been highlighting. Yeah, definitely. So can you tell me a little bit more? T- tell us, Kurt is here too, hiding. Yeah. <laughs> Letting me take the lead on this one. Can you share like a little bit about like, why has this been so important to you? Like, like what's the story behind that? Yeah, that's really good and, and honored to be here and good to see you again. And, and uh, Kurt, great, great to meet you, man. Uh, great time praying beforehand, but yeah, you know, I, uh, I had um, written and published my first book about four years ago called revolutionized by grace. And that's just kind of a book of my journey of coming out of performance Christianity and into understanding sonship and understanding the father's love and acceptance and, you know, living in awareness of the father's love and presence. And so I wrote that book and then I was, I was working on my second book, um, writing a book about the Holy spirit, just who he is and, and how he works in and through our lives and I was about 75% done with that book. And God spoke to me very clearly. You know, there, there's times when God 
speaks in, in like a whisper or sometimes, but sometimes he speaks a little louder, you know, not a, not a <laughs> shout, but a little louder because, you know, it's like, he really wants, wants you to hear what he's saying. And that this was one of those moments. And he said, I want you to take the book that you're working on uh, about the Holy spirit. I want you to put it on the shelf. Um, you'll finish that later. And I want you to do a workbook on uh, discipleship. And that, that it was at that time, I had already been kind of working on, on a workbook, but I hadn't really committed to doing it well enough to publish something that, that was really what the Lord was speaking to me about. I want you to put some work in and, and publish this. And that, that's when God really began to put in my heart, his heart to bring the church back to the great commission. Mm. which is, which is go and make disciples of all nations. I, and this is not me against the church. I mean, I've, I've been a pastor. I've been in church leadership at, at different local churches, you know, and, and honestly, I think that we've done a whole lot of other, even good things, but it's like, we've put so much time, so much of our time and resources into so many other programs, but not in discipleship. I mean, right. honestly, and, and this, this, is, this is a response that I have gotten from other leaders, and I've even heard other people have gotten the same responses, you know, asking pastors and leaders in churches, what does discipleship look like for you? How do you disciple people? And literally the response is, oh man, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, like I'll have to get back to you on that. I, I'm not sure what it looks like. And, and the reality is it's not happening. You know, that, that discipleship, uh, like you guys said, it's not, it doesn't happen on a Sunday morning. It doesn't happen at a conference. It doesn't happen in a meeting. You know, you, you can do it in, in small group settings or even to some degree in classroom settings, but really it's that life on life of, of like Jesus and his disciples, he basically said, come and live with me for three and a half years. And you're, you're not just learning from what I teach. You are actually going to learn from my life. And, and so discipleship is so important. And not only that, but I, I thought back to the time when I first got saved, which was about 25 years ago. Um, I, I got radically saved. I was not raised in a Christian home and uh, God literally supernaturally revealed himself to me in, in amazing ways. It was such a drastic night and day change in my life. So drastic that some of my family members and friends thought I went off the deep end, thought I went crazy because <laughs> it was, it was such a radical change, but I experienced the raw, tangible presence of God on day one when I first got saved. What did that look like for you? Like, I would love to yeah. hear that experience. Yeah, I was at a friend's house um, and, and we were going to drink and party that night. And I noticed that he had a Bible on his bed and I was like, hey, what's that? And he, he tried to play it off cool like he didn't know it was there and, you know, that it wasn't his and. <laughs> I knew it was his. The funny part was it was the children's edition with like the pictures in it. You know, I'm like, I wonder he tried to play it off. Yeah. I was like, bro, this is your Bible, man. What the heck? So anyway, 
I had never opened the Bible once in my life and I opened it up somewhere in the middle. I have no clue where, because right when I opened it up, uh, it, it was not a vision. It was literally with my physical eyes, a flash of light jumped off the pages that I, I saw with my physical eyes. It was an open vision and I slammed the Bible shut and it rocked me. And the result of that is God was getting my attention because I was in such darkness. Uh, my friend let me borrow his Bible and I started reading the Bible before I even got saved. Uh, probably about three months later, I had uh, just through a, a series of events talking to my mom on the phone, who was the only person in my family who had been saved for about a year. And then some other people, just divine appointments. Um, I had decided that I was going to surrender my life to Jesus and follow him. And that, that night in my studio apartment, I remember kneeling down next to my bed and praying and confessing Jesus as Lord, asking him for forgiveness and just telling him, Jesus, I'll follow you for the rest of my life. Mm. And, and the only way that I can describe it is like liquid love just got poured into my soul right in that moment. I mean, I was overwhelmed by the love and presence of the Lord right when I got saved. And I had never, I hadn't even been to a church at that point. Um, it was really at that point, God was kind of discipling me as he was leading me into a relationship with himself. And, and I was overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord. And so from that point on, it was like, I knew on day one, Jesus satisfies, like his presence satisfies, his love satisfies. And I needed that because I had a lot of strongholds and shame. I had a lot of baggage in my life. And so I think for me, it really had to be kind of a drastic encounter with the Lord. So that's just so cool. I love how God shows up the way we need him yeah, to come on when it comes to that. It's just so, so neat that, you know, he doesn't wait for us, <laughs> but he's like, I'm, I'm coming after you full force. Yeah. And I know I, when I was watching the video, you mentioned how discipleship really wasn't a part of it in your early Christian yeah. walk. Yeah. Um, so what'd that look like for you then going forward? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, I, I had that just powerful encounters with the Lord that led up to salvation. And then obviously when I gave my life to the Lord, it was just so, uh, it, it was so powerful. It was very dramatic, you know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then even right after I got saved, you know, I probably, I started going to a church about two weeks later and it was a Calvary chapel and, and, and even like the next couple of months, I, after I got saved, I, st I had some pretty powerful encounters with the Lord, with his presence. But like I said, it, it, you know, nobody really, really discipled me, especially in that first year. For the first 10 years of my walk with the Lord, I had to really like fumble and bumble through a lot of things. But one, one thing that I want to say that I, I will give props to the church that I went to, that Calvary Chapel, they were so big on the word, and I, I needed that. I devoured the word of God for like hours every day when I first got saved. And I literally, I, I think it saved me in a sense, because like I said, I had so many strongholds just wrong beliefs about God, wrong thinking about myself. I had no clue 
who I was. I had no clue about my new identity in Christ. Nobody sat down and explained like, Stephen, you know, you're, you are now free of sin. Like Jesus has broken the power of sin off of your life. You have a new nature. You have a new identity in Christ. You're a new creation. You've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Like these identity truths are so, so key and so important for new believers. And I, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And there was really nobody kind of um, explaining that to me. So I really struggled that first year. I, I really, really struggled, dealt with a lot of shame, fumbled and bumbled through a lot of temptation, didn't know how to handle certain situations and just felt like a failure, felt up and down as, as a new believer and there were a few people that kind of spent time with me, uh, almost like a mentor a little bit, you know, they would spend time and talk about the Bible, which was good. And I'm very thankful for that. But again, it's like, I just realized like, man, how important it is when somebody first gets saved to just really give them foundational truth that sets them free. And, and they can really be, be freed up to really begin to interact with God as their dad, as their mm. father, as a loving father, to know that you don't have to perform for his approval, but you already have his approval because you're in Christ, you know, and, and uh, so I just have a heart to help people with that process. You talked mm. about shame and you had all these wrong ideas about identity of yourself. And so what yeah. were- what was the shame speaking specifically to you and who helped you in the process of breaking those? Yeah. Great questions. You know, it it really helps me now to understand too, the difference between guilt and shame, you know, guilt is basically I've done something wrong. I feel bad about something that I've done. Which, which in a sense, it, it is good to have a certain level of, I feel bad if I treated somebody, somebody wrongly or, you know, I, mm. I was unloving towards yeah. somebody and that hurt them. Like, you need to feel bad about that, as <laughs> right? long, you know, as long as it leads you yeah. to repentance and it leads you to clean. I call it cleaning up your mess. You know, you go to that person you apologize, whatever you need to do. And then the guilt should leave. You know, if the guilt stays, there's something wrong, but shame, you know, and I'm sure you guys know, this is, is not just, I've done something wrong. There shame says there's something wrong with you, Stephen, as a person, you know, there's something inherently wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And shame is shame is usually rooted in a lie that that we're believing about God or about ourselves. And I've come to find that those are the two biggest battlegrounds that the enemy loves to get us into a knife fight. And that is (laughs) (laughs) believing lies about God and believing lies about ourselves. And so for me, it had to do with my relationship with my dad, with my natural dad. You know, most of my upbringing, we didn't have a whole lot of a heart connection. There there was really no emotional connection. And every once in a while, that that emotional connection would be there, but really it was non-existent. And really the only interaction that I had with my dad was if he expected something of me to do something for him, whether it's mowing the lawn or doing my chores or just obedience, you know, Mm. 
And since then, my, my dad has changed. He's, he's become a Christian and our relationship there, there's definitely much more of an emotional connection. Now he, you know, like I said, I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home and my dad didn't know the Lord and he was broken (laughs) just Mm, like I was broken and his dad was broken, you know, but my dad, I just don't think he knew how to make an emotional connection with me as his son. And so with God, it's like I came into this relationship with him and I was just driven by proving my devotion to God. I, I was driven by performance. I just felt like, man, I, I had to, I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't adding up, you know, I, and, and sometimes I wonder, you know, was that more for God or more for me? Probably more for me, but I just didn't realize it, you know, trying to make myself feel better, but I was so rooted in performance. And I remember uh, at YWAM Chico uh, years ago, I had decided I woke up in, in, in the morning and, and YWAM Chico is in the middle. It's like this valley surrounded by these hillsides on both sides. And I woke up and I decided I am going to hike to the top of this hill with all, and I'm telling you, like strive, I am going to hike with everything that I have just uh, up this hillside and I'm going to get up to the top of this hillside and I'm going to have a Mount Sinai, you know, thunder, the, the ground shaking encounter with God where a chariot's going to, you know, I'm like this, this is going to be it. This is going to be the encounter that, and, and what I didn't realize is that it was like what I was going to be able to come back down from the hill and tell people about, see, I wasn't, you, you know what I'm saying? I needed, I needed that approval from people that like, man, Stephen, you're a spiritual giant. Wow. You just had that encounter with God, you know? And so I go up to the top of this hill. I get all the way to the top. I get up there and I I'm just like, you know, Lord, if there, and I said the word for word, Lord, if this, if there's one thing, one thing, Lord, that you would want to tell me right now, what is it? And, and honestly, my expectation in asking him that question was for him to talk to me about my calling, about my mm-hmm. destiny, about what I was going to do for him and how I was going to, you know, take a nation for Jesus or whatever. This is what I'm expecting because that's what I was wrapping up my whole value system and my whole identity in is what I was doing for God, not my intimate relationship with him. And so I ask him this question intensely and instantly I I just wait in silence because I was a YWAMer. That's what you do in YWAM. You wait on the Lord, you know? And so I, Lord, <laughs> Lord, oh, if there's, flashbacks. if there's one thing that you're going to tell me right now, one thing, Lord, what would you tell me? And I hear this still small voice and he says, I love you, son. And I was like, what? Like, if you could imagine a balloon, <laughs> all the air sucked out of the balloon, man, of my soul. That's not what I wanted to hear. You know what I'm saying? So I asked him again, this is no joke. I asked him again, Lord, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. You know? And I asked him, Lord, if there's one thing, one thing that you would want to say to me. And I asked him again. And again, he repeats himself. I love you, son. 
And I sat there and it was like the only, the only way I can describe it is it was like all the striving, all the performance, all the, oh, it's like what I'm going to accomplish for God. Just it's, it's like it, it just started to dissipate and disappear. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, it, it was like, as I was walking down the hill, the Lord was like, remind yourself of what you just asked me okay, all right, Lord, I asked you if there was just what's, what's the one thing out of everything else that you would want to tell me? And he said, what was my answer? So, well, you said you love me and you called me your son. I love you, son. And that rocked me to the core because it, it did two things. One is it revealed his heart towards me, but two, it also revealed some wrong thinking in inside of me where i was finding my value where i was finding my significance you know that's a huge deal and and i realized like wow i've i have got to i've got to wrap up my identity my value and my significance in the father's love for me as his son and anything i do in obedience to him has to come from that place or else I'm, I'm trying to find significance in what I'm accomplishing. Uh, and, and that just never goes well. It never goes well. And, and so that, that, was, that was huge. That, that was a big turning point for me in my life. That's so good. Yep. No wonder we had an entire week on that, <laughs> the Father's heart. Yeah, come on. It hasn't left me yet, and it's been 17 years. Come on, yeah, that's right. So for you with all of that, how does that tie in for discipleship with you? Like, what does that wind up looking like now? Oh man, here's the weird thing is that with, (laughs) with my workbook, you know, I created a workbook, designed a workbook because God told me to, and I, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm reluctant to create a workbook on making disciples because you can't confine discipleship to a workbook or to a classroom or anything. But the Lord said, just put a tool in people's hands. This is not the complete guide on discipleship. It's a jump start. It's a starting point. I said, okay, Lord, that's good. So, but, you know, in, in my workbook, I've, I've used that one-on-one with people. I've used it in a group, a small group setting. I, and I'm actually taking some folks in our church uh, through it in like a class setting. Um, but for me, it's, just sharing with people those stories and just letting them know like God's love is more than a concept. It's to be experienced. We have to taste and see that the Lord is good. It's, you know, and, and that really is what discipleship is, is it's leading people into a love encounter and a love relationship with a loving father and I always tell people like your job, if you're discipling somebody, your job is to connect them to the source. Once they get connected to the source, once they know his love, once they're rooted in his love, once they begin to grasp and understand their new identity in Christ and they can hear his voice and follow him, like you're for the most part, your job is done. <laughs> like, you know, you can still have relationship with them and you still need each other, but that's, that's really the goal. And, and in the workbook, I really go after uh, just foundational truths about identity and, you know, identity is, is so, so vital to 
um, the discipleship process, you know, cause I, I think it's one of the greatest battlegrounds, um, that, that the enemy brings, tries to bring into our lives. And so Absolutely. discipleship is, yeah. So discipleship is heart healing. Um, it's also mind renewal and then, and then just teaching them to connect to the father. Re- the renewing of the mind is huge, man. It's absolutely huge. That's been key in my life. What I'm hearing is, is something that's uh, a lot different from the way the church engages the culture. And when I say the church, I mean, I mean, all of us, especially yeah. here in the West. Yeah. If you had to describe uh, the difference between what you're sharing and what we typically, how we typically engage uh, a people who are the world and people who are unbelievers. Yeah. What would you say are the, like the differences? Yeah. That's a good question. Okay. I I'm, I'm thinking actually a story kind of popped into my mind and, and hopefully this answers your, your question. It's, it's the ability to meet people where they're at hmm. and, and introduce Jesus to them right where they're at. Um, whether that's in our workplace or, you know, you go out on the streets and do evangelism or it's, or the school that you go to, whatever part of society that God has placed you in. Um, I think it's, it's, it's being able to see people through God's eyes of love and the cross and being able to meet them where they're at. Cause I, I think sometimes again, we, we try to engage society in a way where we're trying to find significance, you, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm trying to find value and significance by what I'm doing. And people sniff that out from a mile away. Like, I don't know that you actually are in this because you care for me, right. like, mm. <laughs> totally. you know? And so I remember I was on, I was just out, out and about on the streets one time in Springfield, Ohio, where, where I live. And, and there was this lady that I, I really felt drawn to. And I went up to her and, you know, just introduced myself, started talking to her. And then I told her, I said, you know, I'm not trying to be weird or anything, but I, I saw you and, and I have a relationship with, with Jesus. And I was really drawn to you. He really highlighted you to me and you know, I just wanted to let you know that he loves you. And I just started asking her questions about her life. And she claimed to be an atheist, you mm. know, and in that moment, I'm like, okay, this is where she's at. Like this, there's something in her life experience that, that brought her to that place where she decided I'm an atheist. It's obviously some wounds, something's going on. Um, you know, and so I'm talking to her and I said, well, you know, cause she, you know, I was talking to her about the Lord and she was like, well, that's, that's great. You believe in that. I'm, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in that. So I said, well, Hey, how about this? I said, can I pray for you? And she was like, well, I'm an atheist. (laughs) 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 And I see, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're going to pray for me. And I don't even believe that the one that you're praying to even exists. And I said, well, what I I said to her, I said, what can it hurt? You know, where are you going to lose in this? You know, if I pray and nothing happens, then you remain an atheist. So why, why does it matter? And she was like, okay, you're right. Go for it. (laughs) So I pray for her 
I pray for her. And I'm just telling you within 10 seconds, I feel the tangible presence of the Lord show up right there on that sidewalk by the street. It was like Jesus walked up to us and I, it was like this tangible peace. And I just have my hand on her shoulder praying. And, and I said, do you feel that? And she said, yeah, I feel that. She's like, it's, she's trying, she's not a believer. So she's like, I just feel so calm. And so like, she's trying to explain peace mm. or, you know, yeah. the presence of the Lord. Mm. And, and, and I said, do you know who that is? What, what you're feeling? Do you know who that is or what that is? She's like, what? And I said, that's the one that you don't believe in. He just showed up and he's here. He's introducing himself to you. His name is Jesus. He's letting you know that he's real and that he loves you. And she didn't want to, she wasn't ready to, I asked her, she wasn't ready to surrender her life to Jesus. But I'll tell you this right now, she will never forget that encounter that she had where somebody was crazy enough to come up to her and talk to her and pray with her. And, and for her to go, wow, like I just actually felt the presence of the one that I'm saying doesn't exist. And it was one of the most peaceful calming, most amazing feelings I've ever had, you mm -hmm. know, and that was Jesus. And I told her, I said, if you, if you turn your life to Jesus, what you experienced here in a moment you can have for the rest of your life, that's, it's a person. It's not just a feeling it's a person. So uh, many people would have been offended with her by calling herself an atheist, which is probably the exact reaction that she was looking for. So mm -hmm. she could stay off the hook, you know, <laughs> um, but we just need to meet people where they're at and bring people into a loving encounter with Jesus through building connection and relationship with them. Um, we just need to know how to disciple these people when they come to Jesus. And it's through just spending time with them. I mean, I just, we, I just led a young man, 18 year old, uh, to the Lord this last Sunday at our church. And then I met with him, you know, to buy him some food today. And he's still struggling with drugs. He, he gave his life to Jesus, but he's still struggling with drugs. He's, he's struggling with commitment, you know, and, and I'm, he's, it, it's a little bit of a hard case. Like he just disappeared on me today. Mm. You know what I mean? But I, yeah. but it's like, I cannot afford to be offended with him. Yeah. I, I have to be at the place of just like, okay, I understand there's healthy boundaries. You know, you don't, we're not a doormat, but, but at the yeah. same time, like I'm going to keep reaching out to this kid and, and, and try to meet him where he's at and, and pour into him. And, you know, I, after he just disappeared on me, after I bought him food and we, the church was actually going to help him with a hotel. Cause he's kind of homeless and in and out of homes. He just disappeared. And I texted him. I said, Hey bro, we'd still love to help you. And I just said, God believes in you. And so do we, in other words, I'm not offended with you because you ran out on me and disappeared and didn't come back to my car. Like you said, you were going to like, we're here for you. We are here for you, man. Right. And uh, that's what we've got to communicate to the world. That totally makes sense. And it's what God does for us, right? I mean, how many times yeah. do we run away or not show up when we say we're going to, or when God just yep. told us something and we're like, oh, I really don't want to do that. 
it's that on. holy indifference that Kurt was talking to me about a few weeks ago. Yeah. yeah where we're right. unoffendable because it's not about us. Jesus is the picture of, of God in this world, right? Walking around completely vulnerable, unconditional love, giving himself away. And yet there was this buffer, this separation, this holy separation where he could give himself to people and not get dragged into their crazy, whatever he gave of himself, whatever they did with it, he didn't get twisted up in that. And so the picture is no strings attached. When I give myself to somebody, I cut those strings so that I can't get tangled up in what they do with it. Yeah, that's right. That's good, man. And, And what I hear in your story of what you've shared about discipleship, it started with that woman who, and I love what the way you said it, she claimed to be an atheist, right? Yeah, yeah. She claimed that that was her identity, right? What, yep. Which it isn't. We know what her, who her identity is. Her identity is beloved, right? Yeah. And she hadn't yet agreed to to be loved yet, Yeah, right? uh, that's that's right. But... The cool thing about that, what I hear in that is discipleship starts there and continues mm-hmm. with all of us in this way, one-on-one with people. And in that that time, it's not just the time, it's the quality of the time is, am I looking, here's the difference, the, uh, the way the church often works with people, is am I willing to look for the Imago Dei? the image of God that's mm-hmm. below the sin. Yeah. The very right. foundational thing that God put in us all yeah. is his image. That's right. Who he is, is, is ingrained in us. And that's marred by sin that covers it. But sin isn't the first thing that we need to call out. Yeah. We need to call right. out the Imago Dei. We need to call out the beloved the love of God, the peace of God that's there underneath all of that. And yep. if I'm looking for that identity in people and I'm calling that out, they will rise up to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's who God, yep. that's the identity. You said it's identity wars. Yeah. That's and I right. agree. We got to call out who God is, which is he's put in us. So when we call out yep. who God is, we're calling out that it's there. Yeah. And so, yeah, I agree with that. Come on. And the more Good. we do that and seek and like, if my, in my discipleship one-on-one, am I actively listening to this person to find where they're missing God's identity and, yeah. and their identity in him? Yep. Am I calling that out? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Come on. I, I agree with that. That's good. Man. So who, who's done that for you? Uh, like, is there any story yeah. you could show, share with us of a person yeah, who's done that for you in in a in a way that's really gripped your heart? Another person. Yeah, you know there there was a, a man, Kimberly. I don't know if you remember Dave Clouser from yeah. the YWAM Chico base. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know so, him as well, but yeah, yeah. So I I went to YWAM Chico about I think it was about a year after I got saved, and Dave and Jan Clouser were leading the school, but I I really grew close to them, even outside of class time, you know, I would just go hang out at their, at their cabin, spend time with them. And I was a very, very driven, 
serious joy impaired Christian at that time. <laughs> I mean, I was like, <laughs> you know, cause I, like, I just, you, I, I mean, when I say that I was driven to prove my devotion to God, I mean, I was very serious about that and very joy impaired. I mean, I, I just, I didn't know the joy of his presence, the joy of his goodness. And so Dave Dave was just one of those guys where he was lighthearted. He had a father's heart. You know, he was a dad. He, he had a lot of experience with the Lord that I needed. And, but he was just, he was lighthearted and he was kind of a jokester, you know, and God put this man in my life and he just like loved on me and spent time with me, but he would just, he would lighten me up, (laughs) you know? And, and I think it was, it really was through Dave that I understood like, wow, maybe, you know, maybe God isn't so serious like me all the time. You know, we try to, you know, instead of, instead of finding the image of God, we try to create God in our own image sometimes, Mm, you know, and I just thought God was like me. I thought he was like ultra serious and like just zealous and, you know, and, and in some ways unapproachable. And Dave really helped me. And it wasn't even like he sat me down and like taught me these things. It was just his life. He, his life taught me that the father was approachable. The father was, is fun. The father laughs. He has joy, you know, like you, you can enjoy God when you're doing fun things, you know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. man, Dave, like, and, and Dave passed away a couple of years ago Mm. and just loved him and, uh, still do while he's in heaven. But, um, yeah, Dave, Dave really had an impact on me and, uh, it it really took kind of lightening up. I I had to lighten up a little bit on how serious (laughs) I was to really to allow the love of the father to begin to come in. Does that make sense? You mm-hmm. know, I was just kind of, oh, like, yeah. I was clenched up, you know? So <laughs> I think of, I think of guardians of the galaxy where um, the main character, and I can't think of his name right now, Chris Pratt plays. Him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's star Lord and he's talking to uh, uh, Gamora about you know, where he came from and he's describing it in the terms of footloose. Right. And he's, oh, got, yeah. and he's talking about all these people with their sticks up their butt that won't have a good time. And she's like, that's right. Yeah. Who would do that to torture them, put sticks ah. up their butt, <laughs> but we do it to ourselves. Don't we? Yep. Yep. As Christians, a lot of times we are, there are some many folks walking around with sticks up their butt. It'd be more comfortable <laughs> if that, if that was pulled out. <laughs> Life is much more enjoyable, you know, but I, but I think of like, you know, the verse in Psalm 1611, where it says, it says there's fullness of joy in the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that doesn't mean there won't be times of sadness. There, there, there might be times of grief. Like we know that it's the human experience. Like, yes. you know, you're, you're going to face disappointment. You're going to face grief, you know, all those things. But, but I think of that. Wow. In, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy, not just a little bit of joy or half joy, it's fullness of joy. And, uh, 
Yeah, I had to learn that. I, I really had to learn that, that there is tremendous joy in the presence of the Lord. And, mm-hmm. and I think the world, the world doesn't understand that kind of joy because for the world, joy is, is based on circumstances. Mm-hmm. I will have joy if for yeah. the believer, our joy is in a person, not in our circumstances. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's yeah. where the Bible, well, that's where the Bible says that be, you can be joyful even when you're going through trials because our joy is in a person and our joy can be consistent where for the world it's circumstantial, you know? So yeah, that's man. And, and I just, I, I'm just realizing like, wow, the Holy spirit is actually the happiest person on earth. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't even need to go to Disneyland for that. No, No, he doesn't. Even though it's fun to go to Disneyland or for me, yeah. Disney World, that's yes. right. clo- closer, closer for to you. Florida. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. Disney World is fun, but the Holy Spirit is funner. Is that a yeah. word? Yeah, close yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, I know it's not a word, so but he's joyful. He's happy. Yeah. He's the happiest person you'll ever know. So, yeah. man, it's been so good having you on, Stephen. Like, yeah. Great. I don't think you realize how much of an impact you, all y'all at YWAM Chico had mm. <laughs> on my life. Like looking back, because you guys were joyful, you modeled what it looked like to have that kind of relationship with God where you were his kid first. Yeah. You know, and I didn't, you know, there was an awful lot of stuff that I didn't talk to, but I watched you guys because that's what I do <laughs> and especially did. But yeah. I saw the relationships you guys had with God and with each other you know, and what yeah. a huge impact that's had on my life, you know, where we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah. So it's, it's so cool to see, you know, how God uses other people to disciple us, even when they sometimes they don't even realize yeah. they're discipling us. That's, that's right. That's yeah. That's absolutely true. Yeah. People, uh, people can yeah. disciple you from a distance and they don't even know it, you know, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. Yeah, so uh, I really love this, and I know you have to go pretty quick here. Yep, I do. <laughs> um, but if you wouldn't mind uh, praying us out real quick. Yeah. Praying for the people who are going to be listening to this, and then yeah. we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Lord, we are, we're just so thankful. We're so thankful for your kindness, for your goodness, God, for your faithfulness in our lives, that, that you are so consistent in your pursuit of us. Lord, I, I think of that, that verse in 1 John, I think it's 419. We love because you first loved us. God, you're the one who first pursued us. We're, we're pursuing you just as a response to the fact that you first pursued our hearts and you're still pursuing us. And I pray that, Lord, for people listening that one that there would you would just bring them into a deeper experience with your love and the fact that you're pursuing their hearts calling them deeper to know you and to walk with you God and just to live in a constant awareness of your presence your abiding presence and lord i also pray um just for us as the church as a whole God, that you would forgive us for uh, putting so much time and resources into so many other programs and events and not as much into what is your heart, Father, which is making disciples, discipleship, where we're actually helping people 
on their journey with you, their life with you and understanding your love, understanding their identity, understanding that they can be free from the power of sin and walk in freedom and walk in joy in you, Jesus. And so I just pray for a a move of your spirit in the church that would bring us back to the great commission, to your heart in the great commission and bring us back to your heart for discipleship. Father, teach us how to do it. Lord, um, in, in a way that leads people to you, that brings people into a dynamic, life-changing relationship with you. So we just love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. Awesome. Thank Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank, thank you, man. I got the title for this one. <laughs> what, what is it? It's, it's, we're going to title this one, Discipleship in the Heart of God. Yeah. Hey, come on. I love it, dude. That's good. That's what you yeah. just displayed. You know, that's what yeah. you've been talking about. Displaying. That's awesome. Him, yeah. Come heart. on. So that's yep. good. Yeah. You should feel better about <laughs> going up that hill and having to hear God say it twice. Son, I, I love you, son. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Here, here's why you should feel better. Paul once oh, prayed. And ask God to remove a thorn in his flesh. And he had to hear that three times. I'm, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't as, not quite as thick headed, huh? Thank you, Lord. That's good. That's right. (laughs) Hey, thanks, guys. Nice to meet you, Kurt. Take care. All right. Take care, guys. Before we end this episode, just in case you're wondering, how do I get a copy of Stephen Bell's workbook, Making Victorious Disciples? Well, the great news is it's available right on Amazon.com. Now make sure you spell his name correctly, which is S-T-E-P-H-E-N, and then the word bell, like ringing a bell. If you're interested in getting a hold of us here at Life Hurts God Heals, that's very easy. You can email us at lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com or find us on Facebook by just searching for Life Hurts God Heals. You will find our page. Until next time, be blessed. Be blessed.